Hello and welcome to another episode of Belltale Rugby. My name is Neve Campbell and I'm joined as always by our rugby correspondent Jonathan Bradley and our sports reporter Adam McKendry. So we took a wee break last week as the lads had some well-deserved time off after a busy run of working over the World Cup. But we are back and of course Ulster didn't have a break as they suffered an impressive but all the same tragic loss against Connacht at the weekend. Dan McFarland's men surrendered a 23 lead to fall behind late in the game and lose 22-20. It feels a wee bit like deja vu, Johnny, doesn't it? Because we saw Ulster throw away hefty sort of leads quite a bit last season. Yeah, I suppose like whenever you're throwing away 17 points, it sort of brought back memories of that 19-point lead against uh, Leinster, albeit uh, Connor weren't down to 14 men, so not exactly as bad as uh, as last season's was. I think it's interesting to come away from the game because, you know, you can look at the headline on one hand of they surrendered a 17-point lead, lost the game late. And then you can also point to the fact that I think most people would have looked at the team selection and taken a point before the game. Like, it was one of those ones where the you knew looking at the injury list that it was going to be a sort of a thrown-together team and then the decision to have a few more of what you would say first choice players on the bench rather than starting made it look um, all the more uh, or all the further from a from a full strength team. So I think it's interesting trying to get that balance between um, an unexpected point, but also the fact that after fifty minutes you're looking at it really that you should have been winning the game. Like I think regardless of um, I suppose the team that you have out there, if you're winning by 17 points with half an hour to go, you would expect to be able to see out the game. And I suppose to be a bit more ruthless about it, like anyone that's in the Ulster squad, Ulster coaches should think is capable of playing ERC rugby. So we're not talking about like pulling guys off the street. Like these were professional rugby players sent down to do a job. So... I think it's just it's getting that balance right I think between a performance that certainly exceeded my expectations and a last half hour that surrendered three points what positives would you take away Adam because like as Johnny was saying there I suppose the Connacht team was as strong as it could be bar the Ireland World Cup players um, Stephen Ferris has been writing in Sunday Life this week as well about the fact that he was pleasantly surprised by how Ulster played for most of the game despite the loss. Like They were very aggressive and physical. Um, who who stands out for you or what, what positives did you take from it? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, if you look at the game as a whole, yes, there is the negative that Ulster threw away the win from a from a winning place. And uh, and really, they they shouldn't have done that. I mean, that is the thing that I think you have to take away most is they have to learn how to close out games like that. But if you look at some of the performances, especially from some of the young players and what that means for Ulster's squad depth moving forward, I think is very encouraging. Like, you look at Jake Flannery's performance as somebody who is in a very important position for Ulster at fly half, where they haven't really had a genuine competitor to Billy Burns for a few years that's now back-to-back strong starts for Flannery that I think will continue to put questions in the minds of the coaches you look at Harry Sheridan had a great game I mean his burst for Flannery's try just to use the two guys together like that's really smart rugby IQ to to have that burst and to be able to 
not only hold the guys off but to get that off load away to send Flannery under the sticks like he just had a very good game in general and I think coming off the back of last season I think we kind of wondered where he was in the Zebra game you know why wasn't he starting or why wasn't he playing more of a, a prominent role at the start of the season so for him to come back in and have the impact that he had starting last week against the Bulls and then against Connacht on Friday night, that's another positive. Or sorry, on Saturday night, my apologies. Uh, that's another positive. Um, and then you know, you see like Ruben Crothers is getting entrusted to make a start. I know his his game didn't last very long, unfortunately, and hopefully we'll see him again at some point. But Crothers being entrusted to make a start, and then McCann coming on and having what probably would have been a man of the match performance if it wasn't for the fact that Ulster lost the game, and that's why I always think man of the match. Uh, awards are a little bit superfluous because you're 99% of the time going to get them from the winning team whenever sometimes you do have a player like McCann who has an absolute stormer uh, on the other side and you know whenever you look at the the back four, or the back three that Connor had out you know Hurley Langton terrorized Ulster last season Connor Oliver we know how uh, impactful he can be and Cian Prendergast is on the fringes of the Ireland squad and was at one point tipped to go to the World Cup and McCann outplayed all three of them so I think there's your encouragement if you're coming away from this game for Ulster it's how the young players stepped up and performed it's how you know McCann is showing signs that he could potentially be the number eight moving forward to replace Dwayne Vermeulen and look I'm not going to start hyping him up as you know good enough to play for the Springboks or anything like that but there are signs that he is starting to develop into the number eight that Ulster want him to be Flannery started the season well to apply some pressure to Burns it's just like little things like this especially early in the season like if we learned anything from Munster last season which is very appropriate given the week we're about to go into it's that you don't have to start well in order to have a good season. It's how you finish well. And if we're seeing positive signs from Ulster's players that leads to greater squad depth, then that can be a positive in the long run, even if you have to take sort of the rough with the smooth and the narrow defeats down in Galway at this stage of the season. Do you think, Johnny, given that, I suppose maybe it's some light to be seen since Ulster's like embarrassing defeat to Connacht last season, um, you know, what... What light do you see in the future for this season, I suppose? And do you think there's anything they can take into the game this Friday against Munster? I think it'll be a very different game against Munster on Friday because you see, first of all, how many players are coming back for the game, having missed just one game, having picked up injuries against the Bulls, which is obviously something that people are going to be looking out for throughout this season. Um, So I think... And with the Irish International comeback as well, like I think you're going to have a very different team, and therefore a very different game, a very different challenge as well. Like Munster play in a in a very different way to Connacht, and although both sides have made good starts to the season, like uh, it's maybe something that we're going to come to later. Haven't had a look at the listener questions, but like I don't think Ulster should be looking at it saying, "Oh, well, we only just could beat this time and we got hammered the last time we played them." You know, like that would be the. Um, mindset of a fourth province which uh, Ulster obviously don't think they are even though recent silverware and the league table would uh, would indicate otherwise um, I think it's very it's very important actually I think that Ulster get back get back on track and get back to winning ways this week because looking at the start of the season it always 
looked like it was going to be quite tricky. Like it was a tricky run of fixtures, admittedly one that started with a trip to Zebra. He didn't win a game last year and haven't won a game yet this year. But I think the Bulls was always going to be an awkward fixture given the physicality involved in, in playing a side like that. Trips to Connacht, although Ulster won there last year, hasn't been a particularly happy haunting ground over the last lock of years. And then Munster at home, who obviously won up here last year and are coming in as uh, in his reigning champions. So, 10 points from three games puts you on course for 60. That would have been good enough to finish fifth last year, which I said in our preview podcast that was where I thought Ulster would finish this year. So, while it's not unsurprising where they are at this stage of the season, even given the disappointment of uh, losing a game that you should have won on Saturday night. I think what we really can take from last season is that you don't want to start stacking losses because once that happens, then we saw the erosion of confidence. And it's something that Dan McFarland even spoke about in pre-season, that the energy that they had to expend in rebuilding that confidence once it had started to take a knock he thought left them flat come uh, come the playoffs when the games really really counted. So, looking to this week, the fact that it's an interpro, the fact that it's at home, it's close to a sellout. You're going to have your Irish internationals back. You're going to have a host of what I would turn to be frontliners back that didn't play last week because of injury. I do think this is as early as it is. I think this is an important game in Ulster season. You were touching on it there, I don't know, it's because you probably had a look at the listener questions too, but do you think it's reasonable to take the view that Ulster are now the fourth best province? At present, I don't understand what the claim to the contrary could be. Like, this isn't me having a go at Ulster or whatever, but it's more to do with the strength of the other provinces. So Leinster are the best squad in the URC and have got to a European Cup final two years in a row and have been... Not unlucky that they didn't get over the line, but they pushed La Rochelle close both times. So, like, Leinster are one of the best teams in Europe. Munster won the league last year. Ulster haven't won the league since 2006. Uh, Connacht are top of the league at the minute and have beat Ulster the last two times they played, including in a knockout game. So, I think by all metrics over the last calendar year, really, Ulster have been the fourth best province. Like, it's not to say Ulster are a terrible team, but you can't say that they're performing better than any of the other three teams on this island at the minute. I think there is a misnomer, though, in that whenever people start like ranking the provinces, you feel like it's you know Leinster are tier one, Munster are tier two, Connacht are tier three, and Ulster are tier four. Whatever ranking you do, like Ulster aren't like a million miles behind Connacht. Like it's very, it's a much of a muchness. I would say between Ulster and Connacht. There would be a gap, I think, between Ulster and Munster, and then there would probably be a gap again from Munster to Leinster. But just because Ulster are, are the fourth province doesn't mean there's like an insurmountable gap to get back up. And that's what I'm saying, you know, about squad depth. It, like at this stage in the season, it's important to be building that squad depth and gaining that squad depth so that you can start to bridge that gap. That's the only way Ulster can bridge that gap is by, you know, finding ways to consistently perform at the same level as Munster and Leinster and 
you know, get to a point where they're not just reaching knockout games and not that they're happy with that, but, you know, just sort of saying, this is where we got to. It's coming away from seasons going, we've won silverware or we've come within an inch of winning silverware or something like that. Touching on as well injuries there, uh, Stephen McCormick has asked, have the coaches and medics managed appropriately Will Addison's return to competitive rugby given his current new most unfortunate injury, his past lengthy lack of game time and understandable rustiness and hesitancy should he have started games? Well, I think you have to remember, like, you know, Will Addison was very nearly ready to start games or play games last season. So, and, you know, they built him back through four preseason games as well before he started a game. Like, it's, we saw the same thing with Jacob Stockdale last year. Like, it is an unfortunate thing that whenever you're out for a long time, those muscle injuries do become more prevalent and I think they would say given the way that they gradually built up his minutes that they sort of did take every precaution and I know obviously it looks like Will's going to be the one out for the longest um, as we await results in that scan like you know a lot of players have picked up injuries early in the season I wouldn't be focusing on um, just Will Addison like Ulster have in the first or for the first three weeks of the season had a bizarrely long injury list for the time of year that it was. Do you guys have any idea of the lineup, the starting lineup for this weekend's game? Because there are injuries coming back or who would you, what changes would you make? I would bring everybody back who's fit to play. Like talking again, you know, this is to me is an important game for Ulster. I think got the Lions at home the you after that you want to build up momentum before Europe because Europe again is going to be a sprint rather than a marathon. It's only four games. You need to make a strong start in Europe. I think we know how much of a a salve a run in Europe can be. Like if you have a bad a couple of shaky results in the winter and you're in a bad place in Europe, that can be really difficult in terms of perception. Whereas if you go well in Europe and people are looking forward to a knockout game in April, I think that really, really benefits the whole mood around the province. So this is coming into an important run. You need to build momentum before those games. And I wouldn't say in a million years you would be looking to play the same team that played against Connacht in a game like this. So, you know, Mike Lowry's fit, Stockdale's fit, Balakin's fit. I think that's your back three. Centre, like Stuart McCluskey hasn't played a tremendous amount of rugby. So I think you'd be looking to get him back in there at 12. I think you could have Stuart Moore at 13. Ten's going to be the most interesting one of all, I think. Do you go Flannery or do you go Burns? Doak and Cooney, both ready to go, apparently. Like, again, just going off what Ulster have said yesterday, which was uh, Monday, Cooney's back in training. So, could have your f- two first-choice scrum halves for the first time this season. Um, up front, you don't have any choice. You've only got four props, so uh, those have to be the props that are in the 23. Work, I assume, has to move to tight head so that you can fill out your uh, fill out your team sheet. 
Um, so that would have Eric O'Sullivan um, on the other side, having come back from injury himself. Tom Stewart, Rob Herring at hooker. Um, one probably goes 50, one probably goes 30. Again, Rob Herring hasn't played that much, so you'd be tempted to get him straight back in there. Hendy's the one you probably see come off the bench, so you could go out. I would be tempted to go Al O'Connor and Harry Sheridan. I know Treadwell's meant to be back in uh, training as well, and then you're hoping that Ewers is back. Ewers, McCann, Timoney looks to me to be the back row. I think McCann has been the best player across the three games so far. Um, Interesting to me, anyway, that um, against the Bulls, whenever they started that back row, that it was Timoney at eight and McCann at seven and Timoney himself said then in the aftermath of that game that he had been expecting to play more seven this year, came back to be told that actually he might be playing more eight. So I guess they're always saying that it doesn't really matter who plays in what back row position is that you get the blend right. So I suppose that's maybe proof of that thinking that the number on the back doesn't really matter. But um, we I have, think we have seen McCann being a bit more of a jackling threat, though. We ha- we have seen him sort of targeting the breakdown a bit more, which is something that I think we didn't really expect from him whenever he burst onto the scene. But he's actually been a very effective turnover machine. Yeah, and he's been seeking advice of. Of Marcus Ray, which it's interesting how often Marcus Ray gets spoken about as the player that other players go to to talk about jackling technique and uh, turnover technique when he's seems to be struggling to get into the team mm. himself. But I think he is the best in that position. Oh, you know, we've talked at length last year about his struggles to get into the te- the team himself. So presumably that is through. Dan McFarlane's perception of the other elements of his game, not the back row, uh, or sorry, not the not the jackling elements of his game, but you know, Johnny Bell has spoken about the desire to get more turnovers this year, to have Ulster as more of a counter attacking team because they think that will, sorry, to create those counter attack situations because they think that will suit the type of rugby that they're trying to play. So this is a very important area of the game and. You know, we know Timoney's good over the ball. We've seen McCann getting an awful lot better over the ball, and that's going to be a big thing if the back row is going to be years McCann and Timoney. It is important that they don't have that, what you would call, specialist seven, but they have enough between the three of them of getting over the ball. And Tom Stewart's good over the ball as well, you know. Uh, Sheridan is can probably have that in his game as well. So it's important that they create enough of those transition opportunities because that's what they want to base their attack around. Do you, I suppose the last question is, are you hopeful for a result on Friday night, Adam? Hopefully, yes. Like, um, <laughs> oh, it's glass half full. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> hopefully I've, hopeful. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've sort of been glass half empty recently. Like, I, I don't think Ulster will... Just have, about rugby, not in life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've just got engaged. Make that clear, make that clear. I, Yeah, I've just got Woo! engaged. I mean, if, if, if I'm not half full at the moment, like, I think there's <laughs> something wrong. Um, like, I think whenever you look at the game at the weekend, has that really stalled Ulster's momentum? No, I don't think so. Like, it's a disappointing result, absolutely, but has it sort of hit them in a way that would sort of take them a step back? Probably not. It's probably just a little bit of a downer in the 
in the team room on Monday morning and then they move on. As we say, they're probably going to make quite a few changes from that team. So even for the guys who are playing this week that played last week, it's probably going to feel like a much different week to what it was last week. And whenever you look at the guys coming back in, you know, you do have the likes of McCluskey, Henderson, Herring are all available. Roddy Grant was saying in uh, in pregame media yesterday that those guys are all chomping at the bit to get going. So I think there is that natural boost that you will have this week. And for Ulster, you know, now, sort of similar to what Johnny said, now is the time to start really trying to ramp things up. You know, nobody is unavailable for a reason other than injury, which you just have to deal with throughout the season. So there's no more excuses. You have everyone back in, you put your full team out there. Munster have started the season well, but, I do think Ulster at home they just they'll just have that little bit more. I, I do think that this will be a this will be a win for Ulster. What do you think? Are you gonna go opposite? Are you gonna be glass half full as well? Uh, I think I would be keen to see the teams. Obviously Munster made so much more of a contribution to the Ireland World Cup effort that you would wonder how those players are going to be pitching back in, whereas you would assume anyway that Ulster's World Cup players in Herring and McCluskey are raring to go, whereas like th- this is not a knock on their professionalism at all. But you know, guys like Peter O'Mahony, Tyg Byrne, are they going to be coming in with the same enthusiasm? I think it's natural to assume that there would be a bit of a come down coming back into provincial action when you've played such a big part at the World Cup, whereas the Ulster guys in the main are coming back having not played as big a part as they would have liked. But like I've been really impressed with um, Monster so far this season. You know, a Dogbo and a Hearn in there in the second row have been really, really eye-catching. I think you're probably going to see Crowley back starting with Casey this week. Crowley came off the bench for them against the Dragons there. Um Calvin Nash has been really, really good, although he picked up a knee injury in the last game and is doubtful for this one. So, like, I think Munster are coming up with a lot of confidence. They're coming up with young players, you know, even the likes of, you know, Gleason and Quinn off the bench who were only under 20s, you know, as recently as the summer when Ireland got to the final. I think they've got a good balance of youngsters who look like they're going to go on to have big international careers and then guys coming back in who have already had big international careers. I think, and obviously with having won the league last year as well, like I think Munster, Munster are in a really good place um, at the minute in general. I think I would still have Ulster as favourites because they're at home. And I think... That's something that Ulster really need to um, cultivate this year, just the idea that they win their home games because um, whatever about the pitch, whatever about the atmosphere, whatever, 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 like the basis of Ulster as, and I'm talking about Ulster as like a playoff team. I'm not talking about Ulster as a silverware winning team, but the basis of Ulster being a playoff team this year will require a really, really strong foundation of home form. And I think to have Munster come up here and win would dent that as much as like, you know, we're also 
talking about this season as a big picture, looking to see guys emerge, the likes of McCann, the likes of Sheridan, Stewart to take another step, other young players who maybe either took a backward step or sideways step last year, um, getting back on track. I think that's the bigger picture for Ulster and that's more important. But in the context of results on the field, in the context of how you see them carrying their momentum into a big run of games, I do think this is an important result for Ulster to get. I'm going to say that's a mostly glass half full. So put them together and our glass is totally full and it will remain yet to be seen. So Ulster play Munster at home in Ravenhill at 7.35pm. Said that weird. 7.35pm. So that was really, really true in there. Yeah, Dave. I was like, oh, I'm still having lost the accent. I'm getting thicker for some reason. 7.35pm <laughs> on Friday night. You can obviously go and watch the match at Ravenhill or you can watch it via 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 play um, so until next week we will see you then or more you'll hear us then <laughs> thanks for listening bye